Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. You know, I was, uh, I was praying this morning that God would show up. He did. He did. Right. He's not done yet either, is he? Go ahead and get your Bibles. Turn to Exodus 34. That's where I want you this morning. That's where I believe God wants us this morning as well. Exodus chapter 34. Guys, we're going to keep on going on. Guys, we had, I think, a pretty incredible gathering last week, and I was praying that this week would be even a new work, right? We don't have to believe in a God who just does the same thing over and over again. We believe in a God who can do new things, right? And so he's doing a new work this morning as well as we press on in this series called A Glimpse of Glory, where simply we're just trying to look at God and see him for he, who he is, just as Lisa just rightly saying for us, um, like we want to see him. And there will be a day when we see his full glory. And I'm looking forward to that day. The idea of this series, again, is that we, as we look at the glory of God, it transforms us into the same image of glory from one degree to the next, according to 2 Corinthians 3. So I just want to be like Jesus, so that's why we're looking at God. And so, um, you know, I have the privilege as a pastor um, to be involved in a lot of really cool things in people's lives, um, from new birth to uh, the, actually some of the hardest things in life, like, like memorials and, and deaths in the family. But one of the, my favorite things to be involved in is marriages, right? I get the privilege of meeting with couples. I get the privilege of actually setting them up for marriage. One of my favorite things is actually premarital counseling. Premarital counseling is a lot of fun. Um, I get to meet with couples pretty consistently before they're married and um, getting them ready for a marriage that's founded on the gospel of Christ and God's word because and, and, we, don't, we don't believe that it can thrive uh, apart from that. And, uh, you know, I, I actually, um, the reason why I think I really love premarital counseling so much is because I realize how much I teach and how little I reflect it. <laughs> I see myself and I'm like, I'm telling you to do this, but I, re- I really need to start doing this again, right? Like, it's so easy to fall out of some really healthy practices in, in marriage. And um, for example, one of those uh, is actually how we define love. So one of the most important conversations that I get to have with a couple before they're married is how they understand what love is, how they defined the concept of love. So actually, I want to practice real quick. Just You don't have to shout it out loud, but just in your head, I've got a question I want to ask you, and I want you to just have an answer ready to go. If I were to ask you, what do I mean when I say, I love you? What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Just think about the answer. When you say, I love you, what do you mean by that? What are you, what are you trying to communicate there? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what our society might understand. Right? When, when our society around us says, I love you, really what that means is, you make me happy. Right? I love you means you make me feel a certain way. So I like to be around you. I'll keep you around because this is how I feel. Guys, I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to sing this, but Aretha Franklin song, you make me feel like a natural woman. Isn't that literally about why she loves this guy, why she loves this person? Because of how it makes her feel like a natural woman. I'm like, mm-mm. Nope. Nope. So if that's our understanding of what love is, then we actually don't love the other person, we love ourselves, right? Because of what they do for us or what they do in us. 
And if that's how you head into any kind of relationship, specifically marriage, right? If that's how you understand love, then your expectations will be that your spouse has to literally bend over backwards just to keep you happy. And when they don't, you're ready to move on. Because they've done make, they're, they're done making you happy, and you've got to find somebody else who can make you happy, because that's what love is, according to the world around us. And so that's why we find so many couples falling out of love. Really, it's just they never loved the other person in the first place. They just loved themselves, and the other person was a means to their end. I mean, that, that's actually what leads to marriages ending after one year. Guys, I, I've, I've seen it happen. I've seen them get married in 2019 and divorced in 2020. Because they went into the marriage with this understanding of what love is. You know, I've also seen couples say, hey, I'm not going to get married, but I'm going to live like we're married just in case I find out that you're not actually able to make me happy after some distance of time. And then I have an easy out. I'm not actually committed to you. I'm just going to step away. That's the harder thing. Like marriage, divorce is down these days because marriage is down. (laughs) Because people aren't willing to commit in their affection. And you know what's like even more devastating is that too many people have transposed this understanding of love onto how God loves us such that when we go before the Lord and we realize that he loves us, we think, oh, well, I make him happy. So what if I do something that doesn't? Will he leave me? Will he abandon me? Will he pass me on for another? If I don't make him happy and do what he wants, then then I'm going to lose that love, right? I, I, I think this is just cultural nonsense. And it's got to go. It's got to be gone. Because today we're going to be talking about God's kind of love. A faithful love. Right? It's the kind of love that he loves us with. And the kind, same kind of love that we are called to then love him and one another with. Right? So this, this other you make me happy kind of love has just got to be gone. That's not what love means. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you. That when we start talking about God's love for us. It won't make sense. Why else do you think Paul spends so many times praying for us, saying that we would grasp the height, depth, and love of of the love of God? Why why would he pray that if if it were such that we could actually understand his love? And this kind of love isn't even going to be understandable by our society, right? Like, I'm going to be preaching this. Some people might tune in. They'd be like, nah, there's no way that that's how God loves us. That makes no sense. Exactly. You're getting the point, Right? So it's impossible to grasp, but I'm praying like Paul does in Ephesians 3, that we would, that we would start to, if we have yet to. So let's just get right into it. Again, we're in Exodus 34, and I'm just going to start in verse 6. Again, we've read this like several times. The Lord, that is Yahweh, right, passed before Moses and proclaimed, the Lord, Yahweh, the Lord, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but will who by no means clear the guilty, 
holding the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and to the fourth generation. Guys, this is God's word. May he bless our study of it. So the facet of God's love that we're looking at today is simply this. God is faithfully loving. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. God is faithfully loving. This is our favorite part, right? This is what we got on our walls and our coffee mugs and our t-shirts and our wristbands and our watches. It's everywhere. God is faithfully loving. Now, it's, it's actually very common to see the words steadfast love and faithfulness as one phrase in the Bible because the two concepts are actually more intertwined than you and I might think at first, right? Steadfast love comes from this Hebrew word, you gotta get the throat ready, chesed, right? Can you say that? Chesed. Try it again. Chesed. Yeah, it's the guttural thing, right? <laughs> Chesed is translated all sorts of ways throughout the Bible, but it primarily deals with the kind of enduring, unconditional love, right? It's Hesed love, right? I'm gonna actually kind of paraphrase a bunch of different scriptures into one sentence. It's Hesed love that we're singing about. It's what endures forever. It's our appeal for deliverance and our salvation. It's this kind of love that, that surely follows us all the days of our lives, according to Psalm 23. That's actually, it's surely your goodness and mercy, that's actually chesed will follow me all the days of my life. But what makes chesed so different? What makes it so different? What makes it unique? Well, chesed is made up of of two ideas, actually. Let's see if we can get them up on the screen. Affection plus commitment equals chesed love. Affection, it's not just cold-hearted, it actually is warm and emotional, and there's a commitment there. You combine those two and you got some kind of radical love from God. Chesed love connotes this enduring, reliable, loyal affection of one member of a covenant relationship to another member of that covenant relationship, no matter how fickle and unreliable the beloved actually is. In fact, some, argue, some scholars actually argue that the hesed would be better translated as loyal love, not just steadfast, like enduring, but endures because it's covenanted, it is committed, right? It's a loyal love because it's the kind of affection that has to do with covenants and commitments. So hesed love is a quality that moves someone to act for the benefit of someone else without considering, hey, what's in it for me when I do this? So it's like my love for you isn't based on you. It's unconditional. It's almost gracious, right? It is, it is me setting my will to commit affectionately to you and to love you and to seek your best regardless of how you respond to me and regardless of how I feel about you. So when we say chesed love, we're not talking about like, like let's dim the lights down low. Let's get those candles on. Let's turn on some Marvin Gaye. And just say, mmm, I delight in you, girl. I love you. 
That's not, that's not the kind of scenario that we're talking about in Hesed love. You know the kind of environment we're talking about? We're talking about like some, some explosion of a fight just erupted between you and your spouse. You're like literally bunkered down behind the cabinet. There's a flame on top of the stove going off and there's plates flying over your head, breaking on the cabinets behind you. And you're shouting, no, no, I'm not going anywhere. I love you regardless of what you're doing right now. We're gonna work this out, I promise you. Right? That's Hesed love. That's the kind of love that says, I am staying, regardless. I am loyally committed to you, no matter what you do. And I want your good. So our our world would look at that scenario where you're like trying to hide to protect your body. And say, no, that's not a healthy, that's not a healthy environment. You gotta, you gotta bounce, boy. You gotta get out of that situation because that's not good for you. God would say, no, I would. That's exactly how I've loved you for all these years. He'd say, you stay there because you love, you've committed. So that's why we don't just have loyal love, but we have steadfast love and faithfulness. I am staying faithful to my committed love. He tacks on the world faithfulness because faithfulness isn't fickle and arbitrary, right? It is firm, it's constant, it's trustworthy. Um, If you look at imagery in the Bible about the word faithfulness, faithfulness is pictured as these massive pillars that uphold this entryway. They ain't gonna move. You can always enter under those faithful pillars, right? We look at these right here and we're amazed. Like they haven't fallen, they're faithful. Faithful love upholds and endures. So Hesed love is a faithful, loyal love. And that's how God is, is defining his own existence. It's how he's saying he is, right? God faithfully, loyally loves. And, and again, I want to make sure that I'm saying this every week. This concept is unique to our God alone. It literally is unique to only Yahweh, only the Judeo-Christian God. You can't go anywhere else in this world to find any kind of self-proclaimed deity to say, hey, I love people because that's seen as weakness in most cultures, right? But it's our God, Yahweh, who says, no, I am love. That's actually what he says in 1 John. We find out later on in 1 John that God is love, meaning he is committed He is committed in his affection towards us and he shows us the revelation of his own inner being in that. Who he is, is love, not because we made him that way, but because he said he is that way. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter seven, verses seven and eight says, the Lord set his love on you and shows you. Why? Because the Lord loves you. In other words, he loves you because... He loves you. Sounds redundant, right? But in God, there's no greater authority than his own love, right? He can't claim to anything else because he is the highest authority for his love. He loves because he loves. It's who he is. And so I think we need to make a great big connection between this and what we started with back at the beginning, right? With how we defined love most often in our culture, in our society around us with this idea that love is you make me happy. Let's throw this right at that. Guys, if God is love, and if we said that love is you make me happy, 
I can't, I just can't picture God sitting before anything came into existence, just in the nothingness. God is there. And like, he's just singing the song by you two with or without you waiting for us to come along to actually finally know what love is. I don't see him needing us to figure out what love is. When we finally show up, he's like, oh, finally, I know what love is. No, that's not God, right? He didn't need somebody else to make him happy. God was totally, infinitely happy in and of himself before even creation began. So if that's the case, he didn't need us to come along to finally figure out, oh, I know what love is now. He didn't discover love when humanity was made. He expressed it. God's love wasn't initiated by us. There is nothing whatsoever in you and me that calls forth God's love for us. We don't deserve it. Nothing in us could attract it or prompt it. God loves people because he has chosen to love people. And you know what's even more awesome about this concept of love is that it's, it's not just saying and feeling this kind of affection. It's the kind of affection and commitment that then leads to radical action. So that's why in several places in the New Testament, this is what we see. We see that love is action, right? In this, the love of God was made manifest. It was revealed to us or among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Or what about Romans 5? God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were ugly, while we were in rebellion, he sent his son, right? He sent his son Christ to die for us as sinners. What about, what about Galatians 2.20? One of my favorite verses. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who, what? Loved me so much that he gave himself for me. Love always takes action. God's chesed love always gives us his best. His own son, because of his covenant, loyal, faithful love for us. And it's something that he just abounds with. He abounds with this love. In fact, God tells us he possesses a massive abundance of this kind of love. So the word abundance here means like the excess collection of it with a focus on the fact that it's more than enough for every situation. So Psalm 57.10 says, your chesed, your steadfast, faithful love is great to the heavens. You see your faithfulness tied right in with his love stretches to the clouds. So there's this abundance of it Paul takes this idea and runs with it even further. He takes it to the next step. This is what he says in uh, Romans chapter five. Because God's love has flooded, literally that's the literal translation, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, has flooded. God's love floods. So a a few years back, I had the privilege of leading a a short-term mission trip team down to Texas after the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Um, I mean, it was just massive destruction because of huge floods that had just invaded this little city called Vider, Texas. And as we were driving through this area, um, our team just kept looking around and noticing like the devastation that this flood caused. 
like how overwhelming it was. Because I mean, you'd literally be driving and it would be on to, up to the second window on houses, on the second story. You could see the watermark still there. Guys, it, it's not like the residents of that area could have just walked outside and seen the insurging flood coming and just said, all right, nope, I'm not gonna let you go that far. You just gotta go find somewhere else to go, right? You can't touch this. It's not like the, 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 the residents of Texas could have gone to the coast and shouted at the hurricane, no, go somewhere else. We don't want you here. No, whenever a flood comes, you just gotta sit back and let it take its course. And wherever it goes, it changes everything. And in the same way, God's love, when we truly understand it, will invade every part of our lives and all we can do is just let God run his course through our veins and through our hearts and through our minds and let his love invade every part and wherever it goes, it changes everything about us. His love floods every space it goes. Guys, we have to understand that all we can do is let this abundance of love run its course through us. It's not like we have to work to earn it. We literally just sit and receive it and let it do its thing. And that's actually where we bear the most fruit in life. Guys, you and I cannot stop God's loyal love for us. All you can do is just let it take you over. And when you do, when you do, there's so many things about you that will change. There's so many things about your relationships that will change. You'll understand things differently. And I want to tell you that there's so much that we could talk about, but there's actually only one thing that I think really we need to focus in on today that I think is probably most important. And you've probably heard it before. And so it may be nothing new, but maybe the, 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 the thinking behind it might be a little bit more fresh and hopefully it falls on you with God's spirit blessing it. So um, let, me, let me just kind of argue this today. Because God faithfully loves, every sense of fear is cast out. You know the verse, right? Because God faithfully loves, every sense of fear is cast out. This is the narrative. This is one of the many narratives of God's love in the Bible and how it impacts us as believers. Every sense of fear is cast out. So 1 John 4, 18 is the one that says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, right? And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So I, I think when it comes to relationships, in general, or even in specificity, when we talk about our relationship with God, with our spouses, with our kids, with our families, with our friends, when we ever say, I love you, when we understand what love is, it's going to actually have radical implications on our fear in those relationships. If we understand that we are loved and we love. So for one example... One of the senses of fear that I think we often deal with is the fear of showing weakness. The fear of showing weaknesses or even failures. So like we're, we're afraid that if we have an area 
in our lives where we're just repetitively tripping up. We're over and over again, we're failing. And if we let somebody in to see that, they're not going to accept us anymore. They're not going to like us anymore because it's not going to make them happy. And so they're just going to push us away. And so we hide all of us and only show parts of us. We're not willing to show our weaknesses. And primarily it's because of fear. So like we do that with God at times, right? We do that when we approach the Lord in prayer and we have no humility or no recognition of our desperate need for him to allow us to do his will because apart from him, we can't do anything. We do this with God, we do this with others, we do it in our church family. We hide our weaknesses. You know, actually, I think we're more like used car salesmen than we like to admit. You know what I mean? How you go to buy a used car and all they do is just emphasize the great parts of it and they don't even tell you about the bad parts of it. So they'll say, hey, it's got really low miles, but then they don't tell you that the back door don't open. It's got some weaknesses, but they hide it. We do the same thing. We do the very same thing. Especially in like dating, right? You make yourself out to be like this romantic. Like, look at me. I, I got some candles going. It's the second time I've mentioned candles. In this relationship, we, we, we picked ourselves as a romantic. We find ourselves, we try to portray ourselves to be such a gentleman, such that we finally get this person to commit and marry us and they get married and they find out that we got some broken things. The door don't open. <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you about that part? Well, you bought it, it's yours. <laughs> I'm yours for the rest of life. Guys, we hide our weaknesses out of fear of rejection or loss. But God's love, when we fully understand it, casts all of that nonsense out. It creates safety for us. It loves us even when we are weak and even helps us in our greatest weaknesses, right? As it said that God loved us while we were still sinners. Not once we stopped Even when we were our weakest, God loved us. And in this same kind of love, we have no fear of losing it from somebody else or from God. When we're exposed as weak and unable, we have no fear. Which, by the way, I don't know if we've already come to this agreement or not, but guys, the cross already outed all of us as weak and unable. And the cross is the fullest depiction of God's love. So if, if the cross says to all of us, you can't do it, you are weak. And I love you all the same. Then every sense of fear, of showing our weakness, is no more. Another kind of fear that this kind of understanding of love just pushes to the side is the fear of suffering as punishment. 
the fear of suffering as punishment. Let me see if I can explain this right. So if, if a friend has the kind of love that says, I love you because you make me happy, then you and I have every reason to have fear that love has stopped when a fight breaks out between you two because you've stopped making them happy. So therefore you've lost their love and this conflict is just retaliation and punishment because of it. Some of our marriages work that way, unfortunately. Do they not? Guys, it's something else when you know that your spouse has experienced the kind of loyal and committed love from God. And that's the aim, that's the goal, that's the target of how they're gonna love you because when they love you that way, you can trust more often than not that their motives are actually good. So like when a conflict flares up, a fight breaks out between the two of you, this kind of love allows us to still stand and say, I chesed you, I loyally love you, nothing has changed about our relationship, I am still loyal to you, I know we're in a tough spot, but I'm not going anywhere. So whatever you suffer in that relationship, if it's defined by loyal, steadfast, faithful love, anything that you suffer is not punishment, but it's for your good. And nothing has been lost in that love. So Romans 8, 35, 38, and 39 says this. It's a very popular verse. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? By all the way, by the means, by the way, like by, by the way, all of that are forms of suffering in this life. Can those things stop God's love for us? What's the answer? No. No, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present to come, nor, things, uh, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can cut you off from God's love. Not a single thing. Not any form of suffering at all. So if suffering cannot cut me off from God's love, then it has not been lost. I can never lose it. In fact... With God, his chesed love is so abundant and so faithful that everything that happens to us is an expression of God's love for us to further his purpose for us according to Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. For those who are called by God according to his purposes who love God. So because God loves us, What we may be suffering right now is not punishment from God for past action or sin or brokenness in your life. It's not punishment. It's God's purpose for you in his love. So that's another form of fear that just gets gone when we understand that this is how God loves us. There's a third one. There's a third one along with many others that we could talk about, but I think this third one, it's home for me and I know for a few of my brothers here. Fear of abandonment. 
Fear of being forsaken. Guys, I can't think of anything worse in life, any kind of worse fear that you could ever experience than someone saying, I'm done with you, we're no more. I just can't think of that. Anything worse than that. And yet I realize that some of you have literally experienced that. Through a nasty divorce, broken marriage, busted up friendships. From a husband or wife or a brother or sister or a best friend, something happened and someone close to you chose to push you away and has no desires for you. And now you're all alone. But because God faithfully loves you, you are never, ever alone. Because God loves you, he will never leave you or forsake you. So actually, if this is already hitting home for you, this fear of abandonment specifically, I've got a passage that I want to read and Maybe you just need to close your eyes and just listen to this. It's not going to be up on the screen, but it's Isaiah 43. Just a few verses. It says, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Why? Because I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. So did you hear that? Because God values you. Because he loves you. He gives people in exchange for our lives. You see, God faithfully loves you so much that he traded his own son's life for yours. God loves you so much that he willingly abandoned his own son so that we forever might know and experience the warmth of an intimate relationship with our Father in heaven so that we would never feel truly abandoned and forsaken to the grave for eternity. What else did you think Jesus meant when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that we could be accepted. He was abandoned so that you and I could forever know God's committed, loyal, faithful love. You know the song, 
take this world and give me Jesus. Even though the world may be stripped away from us and every relationship, every person may leave, God is always giving us Jesus. He never leaves or forsakes. He never abandons us and throws his hands up and says, I'm done with this. Figure it out on your own. Because God faithfully loves every sense of fear is cast out. So church family, at this time, I actually just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I need you to work hard to find the answer to this question. Work hard in prayer, labor in prayer, and ask God's spirit to reveal to you what's going on. And I've got this question for you. What are you believing about God's love that has you feeling fear? What about God's love are you believing that has you feeling fear? Because whatever you're believing is wrong if it results in fear. This morning before our gathering, I had some time down in the boiler room downstairs just praying and asking the very same question. And one of my biggest fears right now in my life is that 30 and 40 years from now, I'll be the same guy I am today with the same brokenness, the same habits, the same destructive behavior, the same doubts. And just in that sweet time of prayer with the Lord in his presence, he showed me that his love won't let me stay who I am. He loves me as I am, but he loves me too much to keep me as I am. He is making me into the image of Christ, and it's his love that has that purpose for me and for all of us here. And so that was my response to this. What's yours? What are you believing about God's love right now that has you feeling fear? Because whatever it is, it's not the right belief. God's love is faithful to you. He is committed. He is affectionate. He delights in you. He doesn't love some future version of you. He's not waiting for you to man up and get stronger. He's not waiting for you to look more godly. He loves you right now as you are, and he loves you so much that it's okay to not be okay right now, but you don't have to stay there in God's love. You can move. In God's love, you can move forward. So whatever fear you have, 
bring it into the light of God's love and it will disappear. Holy Spirit, would, would you just come in right now and do the work of belief in us? Would you help us understand that in God's love, all fear is gone? Would you help us understand and grasp just how immense your love really is? Would you cause God's love to flood into our hearts and minds? Would you help us to grasp and comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and the fullness and the beautiful perfection of your love for us that surpasses all understanding? Spirit, would you perfect us in your love and cast out all fear? God, I believe you're doing a work right now, so would you just do it? Don't let me get in the way. And thank you, God, for loving a wretch like me. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.